Welcome to Detroit Today on 1019 WDET. I'm Stephen Henderson, and as always, thanks for tuning in. A little later in the show, we're going to talk about preservation here in the city of Detroit, a subject that has been around for a long time. We've been talking about it for a long time. Where are we with the idea of preserving specifically things that we have in the downtown area? Has that changed over time, Amy Swift, founder of Building Hugger, a Detroit-based renovation firm that specializes in historic window restoration and repair, is going to be here to talk about where we are with the restoration and renovation conversation here in the city of Detroit. We're also going to talk about labor unions and a maybe resurgence of labor unions, uh, the UAW growing membership after a long time in decline. Sonari Glinton of NPR, business reporter there, will join us for that conversation. But first, yesterday marked the day that Franklin Delano Roosevelt, who was president of the United States, signed into law the internment of Japanese Americans as World War II broke out. That was 75 years ago. The act of creating encampments to house one group of people out of fear Seems really unthinkable by modern standards, but President Donald Trump's executive order halting the travel from seven majority Muslim nations again raises the specter of segregating and isolating one group of people who are painted with a broad brush of otherness. I wanted to start today with a conversation about that issue, and joining me for it is Mark Crewman. He's the founding director of the Center for Study of Citizenship and a Professor of American History at Wayne State University. Mark, welcome back to Detroit Today. Thank you, Stephen. Glad Absolutely. Also here is Brian Dickerson, um, one of my colleagues, uh, another columnist at the Detroit Free Press. Brian, welcome to Detroit Today. Good morning, Steve. Yeah. And I've got both of you here because you have an event coming up. It is Citizen Dialogues on Refugee Resettlement, February 23rd, with Brian Dickerson moderating the debate and the Center for the study of citizenship hosting the discussion, uh, which I think is a, a great sort of hook into this 75th anniversary of the law that sent Japanese Americans into internment camps. Refugees and resettlement are uh, subjects that we are talking about a lot right now because of what the president has done, what the president has said about refugees uh, from other countries, and uh, the the reminder, I think, that he is invoking of a past that we're not very proud of, but that I also think a lot of people have forgotten the import of. And so let's sort of start the, the conversation there with you, Mark. Uh, talk about this 75th anniversary. Talk about what was done uh, by President Roosevelt uh, and and why. And talk about why that matters today in the context of this conversation we're having. Uh, Stephen, the uh, attack on Pearl Harbor uh, brought uh, above the surface, not to the surface, uh, the uh, racism that infected uh, white California and had been present certainly uh, since the 1870s. And uh, the attack ultimately led to the exclusion of Japanese Americans from California, uh, putting them in what were gently called resettlement camps, but were concentration camps. 
uh, intended to get them away from potential collaboration with a potential Japanese invading force. The, uh, the rationale embraced by uh, future Supreme Court Chief Justice Earl Warren, who was then governor of California, uh, was based on certain kinds of fundamentally racist expectations. And and talk about how this differed from the way, for instance, uh, the United States dealt with German Americans. Uh, certainly after after Pearl, Pearl Harbor, we declared war not only on Japan but also on Germany. And yet, German citizens were not rounded up in this way and and put in camps. Talk about what the the distinction was there. Well, I think that. The distinction had to do with two things. One, and primarily it had to do with race. Uh, Secondarily, it had to do with the concentration of uh, Japanese-American population on the the West Coast. Uh, There was a a small uh, gathering and resettlement of uh, some Italian-Americans during the war, uh, but this primarily affected Japanese Americans. And I, I say Japanese Americans, it's important to recognize that we're talking about American citizens right, here. Right. These were not, these were not uh, immigrants or aliens uh, uh, no. to this country. Yeah. Uh, so these dialogues that you want to have about refugee resettlement with Brian Dickerson uh, as the moderator, uh, talk about sort of the context for those now and the context that sort of pulls forward, I think, from from 75 years ago? Um, I think that in, in the end, uh, we've seen the uh, concentration camps for Japanese Americans as one of the most shameful episodes in 20th century America. And uh, with formal apologies, some measure of restitution, though quite slight. And I think that there wasn't, in the end, very much resistance to it. And I think that the, the connection is that these are issues that have to be discussed and discussed carefully. Uh, the other part, and which has a more uh, contemporary aspect to it, has to do with all of this appropriate talk about the ways in which people have lived in uh, political bubbles, how they tend to get their information from the most comfortable sources. They follow the social media of uh, people who, or posts of people who agree with them. Uh, The consequence of that is a a sense that what you believe is, in effect, the only legitimate thing to believe. And I think that the challenge is it's not simply the way in which it was characterized on Saturday Night Live uh, about an urban liberal bubble but in fact, the ways in which we don't talk to one another. And the ways in which we all seem to be able to create these spaces for ourselves now that, that people who don't look like us, people who don't think like us, 
uh, don't exist in. Uh, and I think it's a lot easier to do that these days, in fact, than it than it used to be, and it's far more prevalent with with social media uh, than it than it was before. Uh, this is Detroit Today on 1019 WDET. I'm Stephen Henderson. My guests are Mark Crewman, the founding director of the Center for the Study of Citizenship and a professor of American history at Wayne State University. Also, Brian Dickerson, a columnist at the Detroit Free Press, one of my colleagues from the newspaper. We are talking both about the 75th anniversary of the decision uh, by the United States government to intern Japanese Americans during World War II and an upcoming event uh, sponsored by the Center for the Study of Citizenship, uh, Citizen Dialogues on Refugee Resettlement, taking place February 23rd at 7 p.m. Uh, the moderator is Brian Dickerson. Uh, Brian, talk about uh, what what uh, what you hope to achieve with these dialogues. I mean, one of the things that I think is really difficult right now around these topics is the idea of dialogue. Everyone seems to be screaming at each other about these things, uh, sitting down and talking about them, discussing them or debating them uh, is sort of beyond our grasp in a lot of ways. Well, this is the second dialogue the Center uh, for the Study of Citizenship uh, has asked me to moderate in the last couple of months. The first one was on gun control. We did the same Another th- really easy topic yeah. to sit down and talk about. <laughs> well, and, and, and the format generally will be the same this time where we've invited two people who have uh, somewhat opposed views on the subject of welcoming refugees to the United States and allowing them to resettle here. Uh, Randy Richardville, the former uh, Senate Majority Leader, mm-hmm. Republican Majority Leader of the Senate, uh, is uh, in favor of greater restrictions on refugees. And Professor Andrew Moore, who teaches law at uh, UD Mercy School of Law, and founded their immigration law clinic. Uh, we'll we'll talk about the importance of expanding opportunities for refugees in this country. And what I what I tried to do last time, and we'll try to do this time, is is first explore what do these two guys, what do these two sides in the debate agree about? Right? Can we establish some uh, a, a, an island of facts uh, <laughs> that that we share uh, about the state of things and uh, what what refugees have to go through to get to the United States and and go from there to talk about what sort of, of policy we ought to pursue. The President Trump's travel ban uh, targeting the seven uh, Muslim-majority com- countries has gotten uh, most of the attention, but part of that order was an order of banning all refugees mm-hmm. from coming from any country from, from coming anywhere. to the United States for four months and uh, banning Syrian refugees in particular from coming to the United States indefinitely. Mm-hmm. And so we'll be, uh, be because uh, Southeast Michigan has has been a magnet for refugees from the Middle East and, and from Syria. We'll be focusing in on that in particular. Yeah, yeah. Uh, if you want to join the conversation here, uh, give us a call. Talk about the 75th anniversary of President Roosevelt's decision signing the law that uh, that uh, that rounded up Japanese Americans during World War II and sent them to internment camps. Talk about the travel ban uh, and the other measures that President Trump has taken in recent weeks to make it more difficult for 
refugees to come to this country, for immigrants to come to this country. Uh, are these two things related in your mind? Are we headed back to an era of uh, discrimination in the way that we deal with people who want to be Americans? And are we maybe headed back toward awful behavior like that of interning Japanese Americans? 313-577-1019 is the number to join that conversation. That's 313-577-1019. You can also go to the WDET Facebook page and put your comments there, or you can go to Twitter and hashtag Detroit Today, and we will try to work your comments into the conversation. Let's go to Joyce in Detroit. Joyce, welcome to Detroit Today. Good morning. Hi. Thank you. Uh-huh. I wonder why weren't the German citizens interred? Uh, uh, why why German citizens during World War II, you mean, were yes. not interned? Yeah, we, we, we were talking about that uh, earlier, that there, was, uh, th- there were a couple of reasons. Mark Krumen, do you want to uh, sort of expand on that for Joyce? Well, I think that, uh, first of all, it had to do with the uh, dispersal of the population around the country. So there was not a concentration, so it couldn't be considered and... If there had been a concentration, it might not have been considered because the primary driving force uh, was race. Was race. Uh, one of the other things that I that I uh, think I have I have right about that era is the sort of conflict among uh, American citizens about Germany at the time. I mean, you had some very prominent Americans. Um, pushing the idea that that Hitler and the Nazi regime were not a threat to the United States. Uh, Charles Lindbergh, of course, is is someone who comes to mind as, as someone who pushed that. Did that also have an effect uh, because there was this split uh, among Americans about the role that Germany was going to play that, that somehow um, treated or, or put them in a different category than, than Japanese Americans? I probably... Uh, would disagree with that yeah. uh, because once the war began, uh, then it's at that point that uh, Germany became an enemy that had already been identified as an enemy by, uh, by the Roosevelt administration. And the extent to which uh, and in, a, in 1941, Charles Lindbergh had tremendous influence, I would uh, at least question a little bit. But certainly, uh, there was a an American first uh, group of uh, elite members of uh, society who uh, found much to admire in, uh, in Hitler's Germany. Yeah. So that might well have taken a little bit of the edge off of what might have happened to German Americans. And, and the America firsters were a pretty diverse lot. They included people who admired uh, some of the things Hitler was doing in Germany, and they included a lot of people who just were determined to keep the United States out of that war. The young John Kennedy was a prominent member of America First. The young Gerald Ford was a prominent member. Uh, there uh I, I don't uh, want to uh, suggest that uh, Mark is uh, underplaying the threat of, of Lindbergh, but uh, <laughs> f- the novelist Philip Roth wrote sort of an alternative history of that uh, p- 
point in the in the United States uh, in which Lindbergh is elected president right. and defeats uh, Roosevelt <laughs> in his bid for a third term right. and <laughs> concludes a non-aggression pact with with Hitler. And so there's no Pearl Harbor and it's a, a different uh United States that unfolds for for a couple of years. Yeah, uh, that's maybe fanciful, but I, I think that specter is not far from the thoughts of of people confronting the Trump administration's initial uh, forays into the realm of immigration policy. Yeah, uh, you know, I I wonder how um, Mark Grumman, how how similar you think some of the rhetoric we're seeing now about Muslim Americans, about uh, Muslim immigrants to this country is to the rhetoric that surrounded the decision to intern Japanese Americans. I mean, the, uh, obviously the circumstances are quite different. There's no question about that. But but are some of the things that we hear the president and his advisor saying about Muslim Americans and, and what they might do to this country uh, the fact that it is that it is distant from from fact uh, that that so much of it is uh, sort of uh, an effort to whip people up into a frenzy of fear about uh, Muslim Americans is that the same kind of thing that we saw in the in the 1940s? In I think that the comparison in certain ways is is apt. Uh, the president during his uh, campaign had in fact defended the possibility of Muslim internment uh, with an explicit reference to the internment of Japanese Americans. Mm -hmm. And it was, uh, it received some support in uh, conservative Republican circles at the time. So I think that the the connection is there. I'm not sure I would necessarily refer to it as whipping up. There's an element of, uh, of advocacy, certainly, by uh, the administration, but I also think it builds upon certain kinds of existing fears of refugees, existing fears of the alien, and in this sense, I think that the uh, the issues of race and religion in this case uh, are have a certain an, uh, analogous sure. relationship uh, to Japanese American internment. Yeah, uh, this is Detroit Today on 101.9 WDET. I'm Stephen Henderson. My guests are Mark Kruman, the founding director of the Center for the Study of Citizenship, and a professor of American history at Wayne State University. Also here is Brian Dickerson, uh, my colleague, a columnist at the Detroit Free Press. We are talking about both the 75th anniversary of the decision by the American government to intern Japanese-American citizens during World War II and an upcoming event, Citizen Dialogues on Refugee Resettlement, February 23rd, with Brian Dickerson moderating the debate. Uh, where, where, is the, where is the dialogue taking place? In the at Wayne State University in the Student Center building, uh, rooms Hillbury A and B. We had to take two rooms uh, <laughs> to accommodate good. the Enough crowd. Enough people, right? <laughs> Enough space. And I, I would just add to uh, Brian's description of of the event to point out that after uh, he has led the public discussion, 
uh, that there will be table discussion, small group facilitated discussion intended to get people with different opinions about the this issue to talk to, to one talk another. To talk to one another, sure, sure. And to listen to one another. And this is open to the public. As it well. is open to the public at a nominal charge. Yeah. Uh, we have a caller on the line, Harry in Sterling Heights, says that uh, he has a history teacher who taught him that the Japanese were interned in some part uh, for their own protection. Uh, is was, was that something that, that at some point was, was the narrative in this country? I... It may well have been, uh, uh, but it, it's uh, in protecting them, they strip them of their property, uh, which doesn't sound like uh, paternalism. Yeah. I, I think there were relatively few instances of Japanese citizens appealing to the United States to be sent to remote places where yeah. they would be safer. Right, right. <laughs> well, I mean, I, I, I think Harry's question, though, sort of reflects— um, I think it reflects the, the the ways in which the narrative around this has changed over time. I mean, it, it, today this is thought of as shameful and something that uh, we shouldn't have done. Uh, it's an embarrassment. But certainly at the time and in years immediately after, there was a real debate about what the morality of this looked like and whether this was something that that uh, transgressed American American values. I mean, there was a lot of attempt to justify this. Absolutely. Yeah. And to the extent that you recognize that some of the people being swept up uh, in, in these efforts, whether it's it's Japan now or Japan uh, uh, in 1941 and 42, the Japanese or uh, Muslims now, to the extent that you recognize that some innocent people are going to be swept up, you have to you have to confront that. And the classic way to do that is to say, "Well, we're we're protecting them as well. Yeah. They they get some benefits from being isolated from an angry, hostile uh, population as well." Yeah, I, I don't I don't know if there's any truth to that, but it right. makes the people doing it feel better. Feel better about what they're doing. Sure. Okay, Mark Kruman, founding director of the Center for Study of Citizenship, professor of American history at Wayne State University, and Brian Dickerson, columnist at the Detroit Free Press. Thank you both for being here on Detroit Today. Thanks, Steve. And again, February 23rd, 7 p.m., uh, Citizen Dialogues on Refugee Resettlement at Wayne State University. Thanks very much for being here on Detroit Today. All right, up next, uh, what's the future of building preservation here in Detroit? We're going to talk with the founder of the group, Building Hugger, about its community mingle this weekend in Eastern Market. Stay with us on Detroit Today. Detroit Today.